Good morning to everyone. Great to see you this morning. What a beautiful morning we've had today, this morning. starting a good day. Just so proud that uh, all of you here. And uh, we got, as you know, a little the rest of the month here at uh, 8.30. Remember in July now, first Sunday, we'll all meet together for the first time in a long time. And uh, the service will be at 9.30. So make sure you all got all that on your calendar. Look forward to that day. We have visitors with us today. We want you to know you're welcome. We're proud to see visitors. We welcome you and invite you to be with us anytime. Uh, have an opportunity. I want to mention uh, yesterday's Bible Camp Day for just a few seconds. Uh, many of you are here. We had uh, Stephen has worked hard and with the people who worked hard also yesterday. And it went really, really well. We had 60 kids. I went through the, uh, our, our directory type the sheets actually where we keep our tenants. And I counted our own folks, uh, four year olds through sixth grade, and I came up with 44 kids in that age. So we had 60 yesterday, so we had some more people, some of your family perhaps to come and join us, so it went real well. So I congratulate Stephen for the good job he did getting this all organized and deeply appreciate all the adults. We had a lot of adults here yesterday working and that's great. We got to have some fellowship together. Thanks to uh, Bobby Brazel, I guess. Somebody else probably helped him, I'm not sure. But had a great lunch. And I think it was a very enjoyable time. Seemed like the kids had a really good time. So that's just great to have that kind of day. Uh, let's have a prayer at this time. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this day you blessed us with. Thank you for the sunshine we have this morning. And Father, we thank you for this opportunity to assemble together to worship you. We're so thankful for each one that's here. We're so thankful that these people put you as a priority to worship on Sunday morning. We're so thankful, and Father, we pray that you'll continue to bless us all with good health, that we can be here. Father, we look forward to the day that we can all in this congregation assemble together. We pray that all will go well with us. We pray that we take this opportunity to invite people maybe that hadn't been coming and now would feel safe, maybe some that hadn't been here in a while. We can make contacts with these people and invite them and encourage them to be in the worship as we all meet together. And Father, we thank you for the day we had yesterday, thank you for keeping everybody safe. We're so thankful for the people who are willing to come to work to make this possible. We thank you, Father, for parents and grandparents who particularly made an effort to have the children here. We know how important our children are to us. We want to teach them while they're young. We want to do all we can to 
help them to understand the, the teaching of the Bible and that they can become Christians at the time when they're, when they're ready and can remain that way the rest of their life. And we pray your continued blessings with us in this congregation. We thank you for uh, Brother Ken and Anita, the good job that they're doing and his ability. We thank you for his ability to preach your word. And Father, we pray that we will respond to it. Help, help us to make it part of our life and enter into our hearts and minds the things that we need to do as a result of his, his preaching. And Father, we pray now that you will be with us through this service. Help us to do the things that will be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. If you will, take your hymn books and turn to 827. 827. This will be a song this morning before prayer. <clears throat> Sing the first and last stanza. <laughs> We
Reverend, we get out thankful, blessing us for this another Lord's Day morning. We're thankful for the sunshine we're shining down upon us, Father. We're thankful for this blessings of being able to assemble this morning, and we pray that our worship this morning will be pleasing unto Thee. We pray, Father, for those that are sick or unable to be with us this morning, for those maybe that are confined to their home or nursing home, Father, that the blessing be upon them, Father. We're thankful for our elders, and we pray for them that they will look to Thee for guidance, and that we'll be a guiding hand in every decision they make. We're thankful for our nation, we pray for our leaders that they recognize, recognize thee as the Almighty God, Father, that created heaven and earth. We thank our Brother Ken and got their blessing be upon him. They give him a good remembrance of his lesson this day. After they, Father, they will forgive us any sin against us. After we repent and turn from those things, Father, when our life is over, our prayer that would give us home with thee in Christ's name. Amen. If you will, at this time, take your hymn books and turn to 911. 911. This will be our song of encouragement at its appropriate time. And now take your hymn books and turn to number 300. Number 300.
I'll be reading Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 through 30. Philippians 1, 27 through 30. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you, or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which ye saw in me, and now here to be in me. Good morning again. It's terrific to see you. And isn't it great to wake up and the sun be shining? And all those sunbeams coming down from the sky instead of all that rain. I know somebody needed it. And so I'm, I'm okay. It's God's will and I rejoice in whatever he sends. But I'll just tell you, some days it's great to wake up and it to be so refreshing as it is. Well, I say refreshing. Hard to breathe, isn't it? in the heat and humidity. Oh, thank you, Lord, for the sunshine and the heat and the humidity. After all, it is Mississippi, and that's just how it is, isn't it? But we're grateful that God has given us this day because here we are in this climate-controlled environment able to worship God in spirit and in truth. And I just have to join with Brother Morgan in thinking about how wonderful yesterday's event was, a Saturday Bible camp. Well, clever name, I guess, but it was, it was so good to see all those children together and having a good time with one another, studying God's Word, and so many adults participating in that. And of course, at the head of that great group of workers is Stephen, and we appreciate his ability to bring all of that together. And it, it really happened in pretty quick form. A lot of uncertainty as to whether we would even be able to have an event like this. So kudos to him and all the workers getting that together and it being such a great success. We also have reason to rejoice today in that we have a family that is going to be placing membership with us. Kenan and Casey Thompson plan to be a part of this congregation. And so we're very excited about that news. They have a little daughter by the name of Kaylee, who's only four years old. So think about that. They begin working with us now. And can you imagine in about, I don't know, 12, 13 more years, she's going to be a part of those group of graduates. And aren't we going to be excited? We'll say, oh, it seems like they've been with us forever. Today's when that begins. And we can rejoice as a family that we are growing. But on a sadder note, we have some prayer concerns for today. After spending several days in the Magnolia Hospital in Corinth, Lynn Floyd was transferred by ambulance to the Huntsville Hospital in Huntsville, Alabama on Friday night. 
He had emergency surgery there yesterday, is facing more tests and possibly another surgery. Lynn needs our prayers every day. Many of you might remember Lynn attending here with his parents when he was a child. He's the son of Pam Floyd and the late Kenneth Floyd, and also the nephew of Evelyn Floyd and Martha Tyra. Please, please remember the Floyd family, especially Lynn, as he is in very serious condition. And then Brother Acock gave me this note this morning. Uh, they need continual prayer. Special prayer requests for Jason and Aaron Acock. She found out that she was pregnant recently. It was a surprise to everybody, 25 weeks pregnant. And then just as they announced that, only a few days later, her water broke. So she is in the hospital and her and the baby, very critical condition. We want to be praying about that, that God will preserve everybody's life and that all will be well. Things like this are out of our hands, yes, but they're not out of God's hands. So we beseech God, pray that he will bless this family. Will you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, we come to you very grateful for a new day, beautiful sunshine. We're thankful for every gift that you send our way, whether it's in that form or some other. And sometimes what comes is an inconvenience to us, but we're sure it's a blessing to someone else. And so we're just thankful all the way around. We're especially grateful that we can assemble here today to study together from your word. But more than that, in this period of time, we're worshiping through that word. So I pray, Lord, that it's not just gathering information, but that it is truly a spiritual feast for all of us. I pray, Father, that you will Bless us as our family here is growing. We thank you for the Thompsons and for what they will contribute to the work here. And for their daughter who's a part of that family. And we just pray blessings upon them as they begin their work with us. But we also pray that we will be welcoming of them and be able to utilize their talents to your glory. We're thankful for the events of yesterday with the Bible camp for all those who participated, the young and the old. We pray that good fruit will come from that effort. We pray, Father, your blessings on these who are suffering today. We ask your blessings on Lynn Floyd as he has some very serious health issues. We're praying that you'll bless the doctors, nurses, technicians who treat him and that they will come up with a remedy and that it will restore his health to him. We pray for his family as they are in vigil over him. 
We also pray for the Acock family as Aaron is pregnant and in very uh, dire straits right now. And while our hands are tied, we're praying, Father, that you will bless her and the baby, that you will give a health to both of them, that this circumstance can be halted and that as your will is that both of them will come through this okay. That's our will, Father. And we love the Acock family, what they mean to us here, Anthony and Kathy. But Father, we just pray that all is going to be well. We trust you for that as we do everything else. We pray, Father, that you will bless us now as we enter into a study of your word, that it'll be a blessing. Help me to communicate the very best that I can and be with our hearers that they can accept your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. It must have been just the most amazing event to be a part of. Israel was facing its first challenge with a fortified city of Jericho. What would be the strategy? I'm sure that military tacticians like Joshua would have sat down and made a scheme how we're going to attack one side or the other, what kind of weapon we're, weaponry we'll need to have success, how to logically assault a city like that. But God said, no, let's don't do it that way. Let's defeat this city through faith, trusting God. And so as they had embarked upon their conquest of the land of Canaan and were facing this, what seemed to be unbeatable foe, God instructed them to encircle that city once for six days. On the seventh day, they would encircle it seven different times. The trumpets would blow, the people would shout, and the walls would fall down. <laughs> Seems like a fantasy. But the people did exactly what God said. And in Joshua chapter 6 and verse 20, it says that when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout, that the wall fell down flat. The people trusted exactly what God said to do. And despite all reason to the contrary, the walls fell down and they took that city. All glory to God. Paul wrote the text that was read for us a moment ago from a prison cell. Paul had been in prison actually in this city in prior times, but he had the same attitude as he wrote this book that he had when he was in prison when he was actually in that city. 
In Acts chapter 16, verse 25, Paul and Silas were there praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Despite being in the inner prison in stocks, they trusted God to the extent that despite all reason to the contrary, they believed that God would deliver. And that even if he didn't deliver, well, you know what? They're not giving up on God. They're going to pray. They're going to sing. They're giving all glory to God. Paul looked at his circumstance and he thought about those Philippian brethren and the struggles that they had. And he realized that while he is in prison, they maybe not in a prison proper, but certainly within the constraints and the confines of an ungodly civilization and the pressures that they felt to turn away from Christianity. Now that they didn't have their major support force in the person of Paul, maybe they would just want to give up. Maybe they despair, become frustrated. Paul says, no, I'm not feeling that way in my situation and you shouldn't feel that way either. Paul said, in fact, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, that as regarded his own situation, that he considered it okay. And that what was happening to him now was actually working for the furtherance of the gospel. And in verse 21 is his resolve. He said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if he could not be with them, to come and encourage and support and, and bring the joy, then he wanted to know that despite everything else that they would continue to have, verse 46, an abundant joy. I'm pretty sure as I look around at what's happening today, we face the same sort of things, right? Pressure from society a negative spirit toward Christianity. And the pressure can become such that while we might not pull up roots and totally forsake the church, that instead we might be silenced. We might not speak when we ought to speak. We ought rather to give glory to God rather than to have our praise and joy in our Christianity silence. Too many so-called Christians are retreating from the fight today. But that's not us, is it? Shake your head this way. That is not us. We are the Christians who are going to stand fast, who are going to make a difference in this time. We are the ones who are going to be united together, who are not going to be torn apart by this society, but that we're going to continue to move forward to the glory of God. This morning, using this text, I want us to see the ways in which we are united together. One way that we are united is that we are united together in purpose. He says that we are to stand fast in one mind, in one spirit. I love that idea, the oneness of our gathering together as the body of Christ. Standing together in one spirit, in one mind. 
having one focus, all being joined together for one purpose. We have the same goals, the same focus and intent. Our desire is to do the will of God despite all that we see around us. Again, I, I, I think about Paul's situation and, and I realize, you know, it, it wasn't ideal. It was a circumstance that was troubling. And imagine now the Apostle Paul, he has interacted with these Christians before and his hope would be to be with them. And the desire is, if I could be with you, I could fortify you more and bring that joy and everything would be fine. But in my absence, here's what I'm hearing about what's going on there. In verses 16 and 17, there is, a, I would think, a kind of lament, but Despite the lament that he might feel, there is still optimism. And it goes like this. He says there are some people out there who are preaching out of selfish ambition. They are not sincere. There are some of those folks on the one hand, but then he says the others, well, they are preaching out of love. Or let's put it another way, he says. Some are preaching out of pretense and some are preaching out of truth. But he says whether they are preaching out of pretense or out of truth, here is what I realize. That despite the bad attitudes and the improper motivations, that at least Jesus Christ is being preached. And he says in that rejoice, I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice. In other words, he is like, you know what? Sometimes the messenger isn't the best messenger, but at least they're preaching the right message. And if they are promoting Jesus Christ, then you know what? What can I say? I, I could come down on their bad attitude, but from the perspective that I have here in prison, unable to do something, I'm just so thankful that despite everything else, that that gospel message is still being preached. Now, I love how this text begins at verse 27. He says, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else I'm absent, I may hear of your affairs. Well, how would you like to hear of those affairs? He says, listen, just, just be sure that your conduct is worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now, the word conduct there could be translated several different ways. It actually reflects the idea of citizenship. For instance, when you are a citizen in a country, you are submitting yourselves to the rules of that country. I don't know if you've ever been to another country. Maybe you've been to Europe or some other place. When you go over there, there's always the comment, oh, that's an American. <laughs> you know, it's kind of a looking down on us because we're Americans. And they do so because, well, I, I, I try not to be, but often Americans come across as being kind of rude. We're accustomed to doing whatever we want to do. We say we're from the land of the free, the home of the brave. We, we believe that we have rights and we step into a country we don't know anything about their laws. We just go about doing whatever we want to do. 
very, very proud, I guess we come across, and they don't like it. Because we're not really submitting to that rule. We're citizens of this country, not that one. If you're a citizen of a country, you are under the rule of that country. In our text here, he says only let your conduct, let your citizenship reflect the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, let the gospel be what rules your behavior. That can be a challenge. If we're not committed, if our goal is not truly the glory of God, if we've forgotten our first love, we can wear the name Christian, but not truly be a reflection of who Jesus is. And so let's have the conduct, let's have the behavior that is reflective of this relationship that we are to have with Jesus. Now, you may think, okay, right there was a situation. He's just encouraging them. He wants them to have the joy, which he speaks so often of in this short epistle. And so he's just, you know, he's just, he's just a worry wart. You know, he can't be there. So he, he's micromanaging you, you people. You better do this. Paul wasn't like that. He realized that, look, just as had happened at other places, so also could happen to the Philippian brethren. Case in point was what was happening to the Galatian churches. The, the gospel had been preached there. They are citizens of the kingdom of God. They are to have the conduct worthy of the gospel. But what was happening? Some folks had come in with another gospel and were disrupting the purity of the truth. And so Paul in Galatians chapter 1, beginning verse 6 says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to another gospel, which is not another. But there be some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any of the gospel than that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so now I say again, if, if anyone preach any other gospel than that which has been delivered to you, let him be accursed. Wait, what had happened? You know, they had obeyed the truth. They were walking in the truth. They were conducting their lives according to the gospel. And someone came in there with a false narrative related to Christ and had tempted them away from the truth. And Paul is concerned. And what had happened to them could very well happen to the brethren in Philippi. So when he's speaking to those Galatians, he sets himself up just as he does here to the Philippians as an example. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. And the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Remember that. That's the gospel. What Jesus did for us. And now we ought to be transformed, changed. Not the same person that we were before. And certainly not going back to what we once were what we left behind to become a child of God. In Galatians chapter 3, beginning at verse 27, For as many of you as were baptized 
into Jesus Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you're Christ's, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Remember how special the relationship is that you have with Jesus Christ. Remember the purpose that you have in serving him and be united as one in that. But not only are we united in purpose, as, as we see kind of hinted at here in these notions, we are also to be united in the defense of the gospel. So we're going to stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Striving together for the faith of the gospel. To strive together literally means to wrestle together as a company. It's like we've joined arms together as we fight the fight. But we're not out there alone. We are together in this. So we have joined ourselves together as one. We, we, we are seeking jointly, all of us together, the success of the gospel. Now, I say that we're united in the defense of that gospel. And what I mean by defense is that we have become the heralds of that truth. That despite everything that is being said out there, we will bring the truth no matter what. We will, not, we will not change it to soothe an itching ear. We won't hold back something for fear of offering up offense. We are there just to present the absolute truth. In fact, the idea of defense comes from the courtroom. To offer up the defense means I'm bringing the evidence. I'm coming here to prove my point, to prove the point or to prove the truth. The Apostle Paul, despite the fact that he found himself in prison, continued to preach. And as a result of that, according to verses 13 and 14 of Philippians chapter 1, the gospel had actually reached Caesar's household. Now think about that. All these restrictions, all of these setbacks, at least from the human mind, but God is using those things that seem to be a negative to be a powerful positive for good. To get the gospel preached even in Caesar's house. He says now, as regards that, don't you be terrified. says, because when you present that gospel and there's some kickback, you might develop a fear, you might be terrified. And he says, as a result of that, your enemy, the one who is against you, he will sense the terror that you have. And he will think, literally, the sense is that you are ruined, that he's overthrown you. Do not be terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, literally of ruination, but to you of salvation and that from God. 
In other words, back up for a moment. Don't see it just with your physical eyes. It seems like everybody's against me, right? The enemy is winning. Uh, he, is, he has brought about perdition in me. Literally ruin. He has overthrown my argument. No, he has not. Because the argument that you present, the defense that you are laying forth, is God's truth. And if that is God's truth, then here's the reality of it. Whether you are in stocks and bonds in the inner prison, whether you are oppressed by your society, the truth of the matter is God is the one who's giving victory. And the one who is in opposition to you is failing, whether you see it or not. And ultimately, God's truth is going to prevail. God is going to give the victory. But here's the problem. We face these setbacks and these hardships without really being equipped. And so if we fail, that is not God's fault. That is my fault for not having prepared myself. That's why we're constantly encouraged to seek the word. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, study to show yourself approved unto God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You don't need to back down. Uphold the truth. Rightly divide and disperse that truth. Be ready for the fight. Not only are we learning that truth and, and applying it to our life, not being a, uh, just a hearer of, a, of the word, but a doer. James chapter 1, verse 22. Not that, but we are going to the fight. So 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and following, we do not walk a war according to the flesh. We do not walk according to that carnal mindedness. We are, we are in a battle with the gospel that tears down those walls of opposition. God has provided us with the ultimate weapon to the destruction, the evil that is around us. And that is the pure gospel of Jesus Christ. It just takes well, here's what it takes. It takes a unified mind in terms of, let's just have some courage. You and I, united together in courage. For to you it has been given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. Paul says, use me as an example. You know, God is, is doing terif terrific things with me. He says, see that? Where am I? In prison. Is that a defeat? That is not a defeat. Gospels go into Caesar's household. See how God works? God works in ways we'd never imagine. So Paul says, use me as an example. And then go forth conquer. Have, have some courage. You might wonder what, what, what exactly would courage be? You know, what, what would that look like? How can I say I'm courageous in this time? Uh, literally, courage is the, the state or quality of mind or spirit that enables one to face danger with confidence and resolution. It does not mean that you are fearful. You may be. But it means that I, I'm confident, despite my fear, 
that I'm going to have success. I'm ready for this. I'm equipped. David and Goliath. <laughs> David the boy, Goliath the nine and a half foot, skilled warrior. David had confidence and resolution. No better stated than 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 37. David says, the Lord's delivered me out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear, and he'll deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. <laughs> David, uh, don't you know you're a, you know, you're a little boy? All you've got is a sling and a river stone. That guy's got equipment that far exceeds anything anybody else. Some of our best warriors are shaking in their sandals for fear that they might be selected to go and fight that guy. They know they're going to die. David says, wait a minute. I know the Lord will give me success. That's what I believe. I'm not looking that he's nine and a half foot tall. I'm not looking at his great armament. I'm just looking at God. And I know that God has given me success in the past, and he'll give me success right now. And you know the story. God did give David that success. I think about the early church. Again, that was opposed, faced a lot of societal pressure, much greater than anything we've ever faced, even to physical violence. When one who was going to become an apostle before he became the apostle was persecuting Christians, in Acts chapter 8, verse 3, at verse 4, the Christians went everywhere preaching the gospel. They were scattered, but they continued to preach the gospel. Why? Because they believed God's going to give ultimate victory. We may be forced out of this place, but we'll carry the gospel to every place. They had confidence and resolution. But you know, even when we don't come into the fight with that, if we will still go, even if we're not sure, even if our faith is failing, and we will in that moment of weakness still look up to God even half-heartedly so, and trust Him, He'll give the victory. I'm thinking about 1 Kings chapter 18. It is Elijah who eventually comes to the conclusion that he's the only one faithful to God. I'm it. I'm all there is. And he is in terrible despair. And the 450 prophets of Baal have all the attention of Israel. And so there is a competition of sorts suggested. The 450 prophets of Baal and Elijah are each going to offer up sacrifices to their gods. And whoever has a god that will respond to the pleading of its servant, that god will be the god everybody serves. And Elijah says, well, now you go first. So according to the stipulations, they put a bullock on an altar and they put the kindling there, but no fire. 
And so they call unto their God to bring down fire from heaven to consume the sacrifice. Whoever is able to summon their God, that God will serve. And so they put their bullock there and they put the, the altar and the kindling and all of that. And they just go around all morning calling upon their God to do something and nothing happens. At noontime, Elijah just comes up to inspect what's happening. And I think he has a little bit of fun. He's like, you know, what, what's, what's the deal? Where, where's your God? Uh, is, is he on a journey somewhere? Is he sleeping? Has he gone up to the bathroom? Where, where is he? That really frustrates them. So they start cutting themselves, trying to provoke their impotent God to do something. But nothing happens. And then Elijah comes to Mount Carmel. He gathers up stones that once had made up an altar to the Lord. Twelve stones. He makes the altar, puts the kindling on it, cuts up the bullock, puts it on the altar. And then interestingly, he digs a ditch around that altar. And then three different times with four barrels of water, pours water over the sacrifice and the kindling and the water so that the ditch is overflowing with the water. And it says, beginning in verse 36, that at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, that I have done all these things that thy word Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. And then the fire of the Lord fell and it consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord... He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 18, the scripture says that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And even, friends, if I lived a life of struggle and I died without seeing success, even then, God promises ultimate victory. 1 Corinthians 15, beginning at verse 51, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible is put on incorruption, and this mortal is put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? For the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore... Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord.
you and I, we need to be united together. We need to be united together in our purpose. One spirit and one mind, we are focused. We need to be united in the defense of the gospel. Presenting that truth to the winning of souls. And we need to be united in courage. In Philippians chapter 4 verse 1, Paul loved those brethren. He refers to them as such. He says that they are his joy and his crown, but that they should stand fast in the Lord, beloved. That's us. This modern day circumstance. Let us stand fast in the Lord. Maybe you're a child of God. You become dismayed. Your faith has become weakened because of what you see going on around you in the world. You just become frustrated. Will you please remember that no matter what, God is giving the victory? If we need to reignite your faith, let's pray about that. Let's pray that God will strengthen you, bring you back to an incredible purpose. Join us together here in Boonville. We can win the world right from right here. Maybe you're not a child of God today. You can have victory, but that victory is only going to come through Jesus Christ. Jesus died so that your sins could be washed away. And there's no other way for that to take place. So if you believe he's the son of God, that God raised him from the dead. If you're ready to repent and turn away from your sin, confess your faith this morning before this number. Have your sins washed away by the blood of Jesus in baptism. Rise up out of that water, a new creature. If there's anybody who needs to respond today for any reason, now's your opportunity. Why don't you come if you need to while we stand together and sing. Oh,
Take your hymn books and turn to 431. 431. We'll sing the first and second verse. We prepare our minds for the Lord's Supper. going to be reading from Matthew chapter 26 verses 26 through 29. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. 
I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. If there's anybody who hasn't gotten their emblem, you raise your hand, someone will bring one to you. Let's pray with me. Lord, we thank you for the bread that we have before us that represents Christ's body that he gave for us, that death on the cross. And I ask, ask that we take of it in a manner as pleasing unto thee. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. you bow with me. Lord, we also want to thank you for the cup we have that represents that blood that he also shed on that cruel death on the cross for sinners like us. And so I also ask that we may take of it also in a manner that's pleasing unto you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're also commanded to give back on the first day of the week a portion of what is ours, and we have several ways you can do that. Would you just bow with me? Lord, we thank you for all the blessings you have given us in our lives, and we thank you that we're able to earn our livings and earn our ways, and that we're blessed to even be able to give back anything to you, and that ask that when we do so that we do it in a cheerful manner with the right mindset. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Good morning. It's a blessing to be here today. Amen. We have 131 in our worship assembly this morning, and uh, it's great to be here with you in the bulletin, and I hope you do get one and that you look at it, um, as always, there is a long list of those who need our prayers, who ask for our prayers, who continue to, to need regular prayer. Also, there are other things that are uh, others for specific reasons who have requested our uh, prayers. Uh, remember, Craig Glenn is still in the Magnolia Hospital in Corinth, and but he's been moved from the ICU to room number uh, Five five six five, and continue to remember him as well as uh, was mentioned this morning, Lynn Floyd and uh, Jason and Aaron Adcock, uh, Acock, as well as the child. We remember them in our prayers, and also Jonathan Farr uh, wanted me to make sure this got on our prayer list. Uh, they'd been waiting to announce it till they got some things uh, in order, but Isaac Farr will be having eye surgery in the morning in Memphis, uh, and so. The family requests our prayers for him and uh, for a successful surgery. Also, uh, I have a couple of cards that I need to read that I've been asked to read. Dear church family, thank you so much for the calls and texts 
but most importantly, the prayers through my surgery and hospital stay. Please continue to pray as I go through the recovery and healing. In Christian love, Kevin Cook. Dear church family, we wanted to thank you very much for the love and support you all have shown us. Thank you for the beautiful gifts and for the blessing uh, and for blessing us with your thoughts and prayers as we begin our marriage. Uh, Lena and Ben Neal. Again, um, in the bulletin, there are several things that are uh, that need your attention. One, of course, uh, a couple of uh, tables will are out there now and will be regarding some upcoming births. Uh, Salt Team 4 will meet in the annex tonight, uh, so if you're part of that team, please uh, be prepared for that. For a meal and fellowship, uh, hamburgers and hot dogs will be provided, but team members are asked to bring cookout-style uh, side dishes and desserts. See the Kendricks or the Grosses if you have any questions about that. Also, don't forget the uh, Fried Hardeman Associates will host their annual salad luncheon on Friday. Uh, June the 25th from 11 to 12:30. That would be takeout only, and you can see an associate for tickets to that, and the proceeds go to our uh, scholarship fund. And before I lead us in our dismissal prayer, I want to join with Brother Larry and Brother Ken in, in making mention about yesterday, um, what we had Saturday Bible camp. Not done that before. Um, so, from my frame of mind. It was either going to run like a well-oiled machine or be something akin to herding a thousand cats across the desert with a straw um, because it could go either way. But yesterday it was the well-oiled machine and I, I appreciate what's been said uh, toward me. I'm very humbled by that, but listen, when you take a, a spear, somebody said, you're the spearhead of this. You know, a spearhead without the rest of the spear and all that goes with that is just a hunk of heavy metal and doesn't really accomplish a lot. Uh, God blessed us yesterday and continue, we'll continue to bless that. And I want to thank all of you personally who were involved in that and who came. We had 60 children, sixth grade and down, and we had uh, 55 adults who worked in some various aspect of that. And that didn't count the ones who weren't even on my list who came in and out uh, making that happen. But it was especially the spirit that I saw in that, the joy that I saw in everybody who was uh, being a part of that. So uh, thanks be to God for that and to him be the glory and the honor. And uh, let's continue with um, what, what has begun with that. And then one last thing, and then we'll pray, is that I saw people involved yesterday who hadn't had the opportunity to be involved because of work and various things and just simply came together. And I appreciate that. That's what being in, serving in Christ is about. Let's pray as we dismiss this morning. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us to be your children. Thank you for allowing us to come together this morning and this beautiful day to gather and remember your son and what he means to us as we partake of that memorial. To sing songs of praise to you, to enter your throne room in prayer, and to worship you through a study of your word. To provide for the continuing work by giving of the things of which you have blessed us so richly. Father, thank you for your son. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. 
Thank you for your power and your grace and your mercy. Be with those of our number who are sick, those who have asked for our prayers in accordance to your holy will. Father, bless us as we leave this place this morning to remember who we are and why we are and what we're supposed to be doing. In your son's name we pray. Amen.